Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the gorgeous Anna Wolfe. Anna is a part-time PhD student uh, with two daughters, one of whom has been born during her PhD project. And so we talk today about the challenges of combining uh, being a mum and undertaking research study We talk about what that might look like, what sort of um, strategies you might put in place. And we also talk about the importance of community. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Anna. Hi Emma. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we are, people won't obviously be able to see this, but we are twinning today. So I just want everyone to appreciate that. So so we're off to a good start anyway. So it's all good. I think, I think so Emma. <laughs> um, thank you so much for saying that you would come and share your experiences because I had a lot of people um emailing me and contacting me about parenthood and the PhD and the particular Mm. challenges that that addresses and you said you'd be happy to talk about that and you said that you had some strategies so I was like brilliant I I know people know I you know I am single mum of triplets and I'm like any any help wanted you know any help is gratefully received (laughs) so um, I've got my pen out for those um so we're going to talk about um motherhood in particular um we're going to talk about uh strategies but first of all I always ask people to talk about a bit about their own journey um into uh postgraduate study so tell us a bit about yourself well thanks that's yeah I'm really excited to talk to you today Emma so thank you for having me um so my PhD journey actually starts with my mum so my mum has rheumatoid arthritis Um, She got it when she was about 27, 28 in her knee. Um, And then when she had me, when she was in her sort of early 30s, I won't disclose the exact age. um, uh, (laughs) It basically, because of the hormonal imbalance of having a baby, it spread to every joint in her body. So she had this newborn baby. She had like really quite um, debilitating um, rheumatoid arthritis. So I have sort of cared for my mum particularly in my early life up to sort of being 18, 19, before I kind of left home, like um, quite intensely, you know, she's had maybe 23 operations, like multiple joint replacements. Um, But the flip side of this is that she is, um, she's a very, she's got a lot of gumption, that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. So when about 20 years ago, she actually set up a charity called the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society, um, which is a patient-led charity. And she saw a real gap in care, in healthcare for people with arthritis, particularly rheumatoid Um, and, uh, you know, particularly around things like societal perception about um, arthritis and, and what it meant if you were a younger person who had arthritis. Right. So the charity is amazing. It's still absolutely thriving. You know, she got an MV from the Queen. She's basically like some kind of like superhero, superwoman. Oh, <laughs> but um, I have a very personal relationship with arthritis, and um, I don't have arthritis myself. Mm. Um, but 
as a theatre practitioner, you know, my background is very much in kind of research, um, but also creative research, um, thinking about how to like work with people to do storytelling. I, I use a lot of digital practice. There's just something that kind of was percolating around in my brain that there's like a problem here that maybe I could try and tackle um, and kind of, you know, frame that in a way that made sense to me, which was by doing kind of academic research um, in the shape of a PhD, although my PhD is by practice. So um, it's really exciting to like work with people um, to kind of co-produce the new knowledge. Mm. And so my PhD looks at young people who tend to be the, the people that I work with in my theatre practice who have arthritis, um, which is called juvenile idiopathic arthritis or JIA. And then my kind of, um, I guess my question or my problem that I'm kind of addressing in my PhD is about how does theatre, how does digital storytelling, how do you like creative arts basically make better spaces for young people to have conversations about their arthritis, uh, build community and generally um, feel better together right wow <laughs> wow and I, I think I'm really struck with the personal connection that takes you in um mm. and that sense of we, we talked a lot with, with with guests about the kind of the passion and the drive and the why and that is a really strong why um to, to kind of keep you going and drive you forward yeah, I mean, I describe it a bit. Um, I think <laughs> it's funny because my mum, you know, we talk about this stuff all the time. Um, and I said to her the other day, actually, um, I was talking to her about a presentation or something I'd done. And, you know, she was quizzing me a bit about a particular part. Oh, no, no, that's not how we would say it. Because obviously she's sort of from a charity background and I'm from a theatre and performance background. And sometimes we're talking different languages at each other. Um, You know, but I said to her, you know, mum, this is like actually really, um, you know, my PhD is so personal. And in some ways, you know, you look at things that you write or academic writing that you have to sort of fulfil as part of what a PhD is. And it can feel very... um, very rigid or it's using lots of kind of complicated terminology but I was like actually this is like a love letter to my mum <laughs> because this is the best way that I feel I can be useful you know maybe I could run marathons or fundraise or something I'm actually really terrible at running marathons I try to do that I suck um, but <laughs> in my my world like what I'm good at is this well hopefully um you know and this is a love letter to my mum this is like how can I be useful and do something of use that actually might make other people's lives a bit better and this is the best thing I could come up with so I feel very um emotionally connected to my research actually yeah I love that I love that and actually we were just talking before we came on about um a book that I'd written and how it was hard a hard book to write because I fell in love with the, the subject matter you know the different companies that I was looking at I just I loved them and so it's kind of it I think the the love of the subject is a real passionate drive but it can also kind of problematize and make it difficult oh, to definitely write. definitely um, so, but, I, but I, I love that so much I always say especially to undergraduates I say you know reading and writing is an opportunity to fall in love so I am I am all about that that's gorgeous <laughs> so you are right in the middle of this at the moment I guess so. I mean, in some ways, um, so, you know, this actually kind of segues a bit into why we started chatting, Emma, because 
I um, am tackling my PhD at a very slow pace. I started at the beginning of 2018. I actually just went through my upgrade process. So um, people doing PhDs probably know what I'm talking about here, but that sort of sense of where you you know, you have to write something, present something, have almost like a mock viva and kind of, you know, get through to the next stage, get your corrections, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I've, I'm sort of at the start of my fourth year. Um, I have had a baby in the middle of doing my PhD so far. Um, I have been signed off sick because of my kids and like caring responsibilities. So I have two, two um, daughters, two little girls. Um, and so my approach to academia and my PhD is very slow and very um, different, I think, to a lot of other perhaps more, um, I mean, what is a traditional PhD student, but perhaps to someone who doesn't have maybe as much caring responsibility. Um, my PhD journey is <laughs> much slower and much mm. more convoluted. And I, and I do want to really attend to this slow academia because I love that term. But before we do that, I just want to come back to this then having a baby. Because you said I just had a baby and then I got on with it. Well, blimey, anyone who has had a baby knows that that is a whole big life-changing thing that goes on. Um, and you wrote a beautiful paper about coming back to study after the baby. And I just yes. wonder if there's but anything in terms of your reflection on that process that you would offer to people who are yeah. either just coming back or just about to come back? <laughs> I mean, I think um, because when I started my PhD, I had my I'd already had my first daughter and actually, um, you know, I'd been working on my proposal because these things, again, you know, I worked on my proposal for about a year before mm. I even went in to be interviewed and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, very slow. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, and, you know, um, when I had my sort of interruption, um, so my second daughter was born in 2019 um, and I was on maternity leave and then it was the COVID-19 pandemic. So mm. I kind of planned to come back earlier, but actually I just had to attend to my children who were at home. I had to be a teacher. I had to be the chef. I had to do all these other like millions of things that other parents are doing. Mm. Um, so um yeah, I think, um, sorry, I've lost my train of thought a little bit, Emma. <laughs> well, it's, it's about that kind of coming back. And I think yes, what you're really yes, clearly talking about, and something that we've spoken about before, is in terms of having all these other things around it and how potentially, what well, I was really interested in you talking about, that sense of um, it putting things into perspective. Yeah, I think so, for sure. And, like, I think when you have a child or you know in my case I've got two of them trying to kind of ruin my research time no I'm joking <laughs> their needs come first their needs come first but I think what it forces you to do and this is something I've identified with other parents on my in my PhD cohort it forces you into kind of slices of time and you become hyper efficient mm. um mm. Per, often at personal cost okay I'm not saying that you know other things don't suffer like relationships or the state of your hair or <laughs> how well dressed you are any given day but I'm actually quite surprised um, at what I can achieve in the time that I do have the, the other thing though is, is that um, I think there's certain aspects of my PhD that definitely suffer 
things like reading in a slow way, um, taking in like complex information where maybe before even with just one kid, I would have more time to do that. Mm. Now it's like my time is even more squeezed. Um, but it does make you attend to what you can do in the time that you're given. And actually, I'm, I sort of surprise myself sometimes mm. that I'm able to spin as many plates because you just you just have to. And then you have to go and change someone's nappy or phone the school or wipe up sick off the carpet, which is what I was doing yesterday. Nice. You know, <laughs> nice. so, yeah, I think there's, there's something about it's it's sort of stealing you for. And, you know, when I went through my transfer, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but my PhD, I love it, but nothing is kind of worse than giving birth quite frankly so I'm not scared there's certain things in life that just don't scare me anymore because it's just you know it, it, you, it all gets put into perspective yes. right <laughs> with kids yes absolutely so this sense of yeah a focus actually <laughs> and of perspective um there's a brilliant um a, a kind of acknowledgements in, in the front of a book that I saw and it said with thanks to whatever you know whatever they were called Florence and Benji without whom this book would have been written three years earlier and it's just <laughs> sense of, this sense of yeah it, it just takes it just takes more time um so let's talk about that then in terms of taking more time and this slow this slow academia and as, as we were saying again, just before we started recording, because that was always the way PhDs used to take a long time. And now the standard has become the three years. That's the kind of gold standard that people are encouraged to work towards for all sorts of different reasons. Some good, some perhaps we might want to have a discussion about. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, any thoughts on how you are, the sort of strategies that you're using, the way in which you're going forward with your work? Yeah, that's such a good question, Emma. Um, I think it was Kim Solger's blog, The Activist Classroom, where I read um, somebody shared it in a network that I'm in or something. Somebody wrote about um, this kind of idea of slow academia. And yeah, just taking time for things to percolate through. It's funny, like at the beginning, I used to have a little panic if I saw somebody else. You know, when you're like researching, you're doing, um, you know, desktop research, you're reading, da-da-da-da, like collecting all your references, and you come across somebody else sort of vaguely doing your research and you have that panic <laughs> and you think, oh no, like this has been done before. I mean, we've all experienced it. But actually, I think like being really slow makes me realize that. Um, and actually I was talking to a really good mentor of mine, um, a woman called Sue Mayo, who's at Goldsmith University, who runs the MA in Applied Theatre there. She's just like a lifelong friend. And, um, you know, she she sort of talked about this idea of research and applied theatre, which is the field I'm in, being a field. It's a field. There's lots of things that overlap. There's things that grow together, things that pollinate each other and not being like afraid of that. And the longer I take, you know, yes, I see other things popping up, but I kind of collect those into my field, into my garden of research. Mm. And um, I appreciate those things because actually it's drawing more attention to what I think is incredibly important, which is about young people with chronic illness being heard um, and having space to talk about themselves and their health in a way that's really appropriate for them. Um, and yeah, I think strategizing around that and realizing that time being just having to take more time is actually a gift sometimes um because I love my PhD I love doing it when I can and 
you know, if I had to rush through, if it had to be over very quickly, I think I'd actually feel quite bereft. It's a really big part of my identity. And so the more time and attention I can give it, I actually appreciate that, I think. I love the idea of a garden of research. Mm. I love that. (laughs) So how beautiful is that? And how eloquent is that as a metaphor in terms of the way that you tend to a garden? Um, I think that's just gorgeous. I am definitely having that. (laughs) Um, So, yes. So I, I think yeah just to sing the praises of slow academia and that what we might miss as we rush past um and that again this sense of of the gift then of being a mum and being an academic might actually help you to to do the work in a in a richer way yeah um, a different and richer way yeah yeah um Oh gosh, there is so there's so much. I've got so much here, and I, I, but I'm aware of time. Mm-hmm. So what I am going to say is that we are going to put these references in. So the references to that article, we'll find the references to the Slow Academia too, so we can put that in too. Um, we need to obviously now we need to put a link in to Sue Mayo and her work. Um, so we'll have all of that for people to follow up because this is such a sort of rich field, indeed. Mm. Um, garden. Rich Garden, that's what I'm trying to say, Rich Garden. Um, So before we finish, I'm going to ask you really unfairly Mm -hmm. to give us some top tips, these strategies of of what you found useful um, in terms of coming back in as a mum. Yeah, definitely. And and so I want to talk about my friend, Sophie Williams. So Sophie and I have worked together for, oh my gosh, probably like, the best part of the last eight years in different companies and freelancing together on different projects. Um, Sophie has written two books, so um, Millennial Black and How to Be an Anti-Racist Ally. She's just an incredible woman, um, an incredible kind of partner in crime. We're always, you know, uh, we used to work together quite closely in various organizations, things like that. Anyway, um, one place we were working together, we started talking about this idea of the lady gang. (laughs) So bear with me, Emma. (laughs) Um, so the lady gang um you don't have to be a lady to be in the lady gang by the way but it's it's about this idea of like your network and um that if you have a problem or you want to problem solve something or you want to um connect with someone you reach out to your lady gang so anybody of any gender any identity anything can be in the lady gang don't just have to be a lady or whatever that kind of connotes um and so um I have a wonderful lady gang of just people that I surround myself with who um, take the time, who are interested in my research and who I know that I can always kind of have conversations with, um, supportive conversations. Um, I also have some brilliant lady gang members in my institution, um, Joe Lee, Paul Roberts, Rebecca Lords, and Nina Lemon, the wonderful Nina Lemon. I absolutely love that woman, um, who I know that they just get, um, and all uh, quite often these people are parents or have caring responsibilities, and they just get the kind of questions or the problems that I'm sort of dealing with. Mm. And I think that's really important, actually. Like, my, I love my family, and they are in some ways burdened <laughs> by me and my PhD, and 
you know, taking time away from them to do my PhD or talking to them about things that quite frankly, they're not that interested in. They just want to have like fish fingers and chips for tea. <laughs> but I know that my lady gang are there and that they will um, listen to me basically and give me feedback or give me support or just send me a meme, whatever it is that I need, you know, that that um, network is there. And so I think if you're a PhD, and often PhD is very lonely work, you're researching by yourself, and particularly in the pandemic, you're not necessarily going into an institution to be surrounded by other people. Um, so find your lady gang online in real life and, and you know, um, kind of, yeah, take them on that journey together. It's about lifting each other up and supporting each other in that journey, I guess. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I think, yes, that sense of, I think, the sense of not feeling alone is is so important this this we're hardwired for connection and Absolutely. so acknowledging yeah. that need that you have you don't I think again in terms of academia there's this kind of problematic notion of the lone scholar that mm-hmm. is there on their own doing their thing um, and of course there's some of that there's something of, of a truth to that because sometimes you do need to sit in a room on your own and write yeah. but actually there that you will be surrounded by people that that's what you need that's what mm-hmm. you need so mm-hmm. make sure that you do have people love it I, I want I want to be in the lady gang Emma uh, you can be in my lady gang <laughs> I'm in I've already sent you the request <laughs> before before you forget and say no I'm gonna say I'm gonna send a request um thank you so much Anna because I say I know a lot of people have contacted me um but actually to say it's been tough but um I'm doing it anyway it's really helpful for other people to hear and I I would love to again just put out a call that if you would like to come and talk about your experiences I would love to hear from you um especially from dads from people in different family setups that would be really useful to hear um the experiences so we can get our own kind of lady gang going absolutely <laughs> I just want to shout out as well quickly so on Facebook there's a great um group um called the PhD and early career researcher parents and yeah it's just re- the amount of times I've written a, a note there at 4am <laughs> someone always responds um so yeah I think that you know that there are places if you are a parent uh, or a mum doing a PhD where you can find other people in similar similar situations that's so helpful yes I I just think it is isn't it having your people that you know will understand why why it's important to ask that question at that time I I cannot underestimate that um and we'll again we'll put the link to that up too so people that have that reference thank you so much Anna you are a really busy woman as we know so thank you for taking (laughs) the time to be here um and thank you all for listening thanks Thanks, Emma. Thank you.